Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon. Well, welcome, everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at the Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me, I have in the studio, again, Ridge Lead Pastor Mike Van Rees. Mike, good to have you back. Yeah, thanks, Will. Yes, welcome. Uh, Mike, we're just a few weeks of the year left, and actually, we have just wrapped up this series in the book of Habakkuk. Um, This past Sunday, you were looking at chapter 3, verses 12 through 19. And I want to start the podcast by just asking you about something at the beginning of your message. And I want to quote you on this. You asked a a pretty potent question, actually. You said this, have you ever asked God for something or been in a situation you knew God had the capacity to do something, but he didn't? And Mike, I think if people are being honest, you know, most of us have been in that place or maybe are in that place now with something in our lives. So do you have any thoughts on how to respond when God seems to consistently say no uh, to a good and valid prayer? Yeah, and I hope, you know, one of the things that comes to mind will be this book of the Bible. Um, Because Habakkuk is one where it's not the most famous, well-known, kind of an obscure book uh, in the Minor Prophets, back of the Old Testament. And if you think, well, what's the book about? And my hope would be kind of what would stick in our minds is, well, it's about this. The central um, theme that's going on in the book of Habakkuk is a guy who, things going on around him, he didn't like it. It wasn't going well. Uh, He had a faith and he believed in God, but he wasn't experiencing the power of God and he wasn't experiencing what he wanted to. And so what do we see in this book? Well, the whole thing is about a conversation. And and so that, the the central part of this book, he's, he's not pleased with what's going on in his life. And what does he do? He doesn't turn away from God. He doesn't flee from God. He doesn't abandon God. But the big picture of the book, he goes to God. And he brings his questions, and he has a conversation with God, and they begin just this dialogue uh, with that, and that's what brings them closer. He didn't even like the answer that God gave him, uh, so it's not like he got exactly what he was wanting, but he got something better. And what the better was connection with God, and that that is the central theme that we see in this book of the Bible. So, you know, when those things at times come up again— Dive back into Habakkuk uh, and, and remember what he did. Remember how God met him there. And I think we tend to, in situations like this, you can go one of two ways. And one is you can get bitter and be like, you know, I'm, I'm not happy. Things aren't going the way I want. I resent God because he's not acting the way I want him to. And our faith is going to diminish. The other option is to move forward in faith. And that's what we see here. It's like, well, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I'm asking for. This isn't how I would do it. But I do trust that God is good. I do trust that God is faithful. I do trust that he has a plan. And and I think that that's the route that God's encouraging us to to go here. And I think that spiritual maturity, it, it takes more spiritual maturity to get a no from God than it does to get a yes. Again, Mike, when you think of practicing faith... This is exactly the kind of situations and seasons in which that happens, you know, where our our faith, our trust in God is really is really tested. 
You know, I often think of Bear Grylls, you know, the, uh, the explorer, you know, he yep. takes celebrities out, stuff like that. And I just remember, I think I showed this one Sunday, maybe a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. there was one of the celebrities and he was, you know, Bear was hooking him up at the top of this cliff. And then he tied the rope to a tree and was like, okay, back off the cliff and <laughs> start abseiling down. And the guy was like, for real? Like, you know, and his, his trust in Bear was really, really tested. But at the end, you know, it was cool to see it moved from kind of just like, oh yeah, Bear, I trust you. You know, you're awesome. Like, you're really cool. Mm-hmm. To like, I trust you. I trust you. Yeah. And for me, Mike, I have to say that tree, and I'm not trying to, draw images here but that tree for me is the cross that's the anchor for me in which i i tie my faith to when i don't really have anything else to go on maybe the situation that i'm in is really difficult maybe what i'm experiencing seems to make me ask questions of god where are you do you really love us you know as a family that kind of thing but when i look to the cross and again, I'm, I feel like a broken record in saying this, but I see not only our salvation, but I see a statement of who God is. And, yeah, and that's been, re- been really huge. And I want to just say last week, I think I had three L's. Um, what was it? Listen, lament, and, and learn. Okay, three Ps really quick. So one, I think prayer in terms of lament, I think that's a, that's a bit of a response uh, to when we feel like God is saying no there's an opportunity for us to, to be honest, like Habakkuk. Um, persistence, I think, is another one where we can be persistent in prayer. You know, I know there's things for you, Mike, that you pray for every day, that you're faithful in praying that and asking. So even though we're, we feel like we're getting that no. And then the last thing I would say is just posture, the posture of our hearts before God and a one of humility, you know, and recognizing that he's not in debt to us. He doesn't owe us anything. You know, every movement of God is is grace. And so being careful to not get into that way of kind of shaking our fists at God and saying, you owe me this, you know, um, I think because we got to be careful we don't get into that. So yeah, prayer, persistence, posture, I think. What would you have done if one of those three didn't start with a P? Uh, I would really struggle to get one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It just seems, Mike, I have no idea why that happens that way. I'm not trying to shoehorn stuff and it seems to work. So (laughs) I just hope it's helpful for people in terms of remembering. Uh, Getting back to Habakkuk uh, in verses 12 to 15, we read this. Uh, In wrath, you strode through the earth and in anger, you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us. I mean, Mike, this is pretty pretty intense, what we're reading here. Mm -hmm. You spoke of how... If God is loving and good, he will act in this way against evil. You know, to sit back passively would be to act contrary to his character. But my question for you is, how do we go about reconciling this with some of the teachings of of Jesus? You know, thinking in in Matthew's gospel, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. How do we go about reconciling those teachings? I think it's a fair question and one that comes to mind as we read through the Bible, you recognize, well, this seems different than what I read in the other passage. How do these two things come together? So glad you asked it because I do think it, it, it's common and it comes up regularly. You know, if we look at the example that you gave here, like with Matthew and Jesus speaking about loving your enemies, um, what we what we have we have two attributes of God. They're both attributes of God. 
um, but they're both at play. So as Jesus is teaching here, he's talking about loving your enemies. I think that gets to the attribute of God where he created humanity in the divine image. You know, we all have the image of God, and he's saying all people matter, respect all people. He's showing that side of him and showing that, you know, the cycle of revenge of paying somebody back doesn't work because mm. then they're going to do it and they'll go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So I think he's really getting at that and saying there, there's a better way. There's the Jesus way. And that gets to, you know, the concept you talked about, about the, the tree, the cross. Uh, he shows us mm-hmm. this is a better way to deal with things. So that's one attribute of God. And we're drawn to that attribute of God. We love that attribute of God. That's the attribute of God that really first drew me to really want to put my trust and my faith in following him. So Mm -hmm. cling to that attribute of God, but also recognize that's not the only attribute of God. Um, There there are more dimensions to God than just that. And one of them is this concept of justice. And I think that this is a really visible concept, especially when you get into the prophetic books in the Old Testament. We do see God's justice. And and the justice talking about crime has consequences. Evil. Yeah, there is evil in this world that we are a part of, and God recognizes that. And he says, I'm I'm going to, at some point in time, I'm going to put a stop to that, and I'm going to restore good. So I would say that justice is a part of love, because if you Mm. really love, um, then justice is going to be stopping evil. It's something that's going to be a part of that. So I don't think they're contradictory attributes. I think it's also helpful to recognize that the administration of justice, as we look at justice, because I think that's one that can be a little confusing when it comes to God, it's a positional attribute. And so I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that positional attribute. So let's say Christmas is coming up, you're at a family Christmas gathering, and as you're hanging out, you see a kid on the floor throwing a major tantrum. Okay, might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. It would not. It, it could. And so if that happens, um, how you respond is going to p- depend on your position. If that kid is your kid, you're going to be involved. Mm-hmm. Right? You're, you're going to have to get involved in that situation. If it's not your kid, well, then you're not responsible. So there's this responsibility concept that I think mm-hmm. goes and is, is a part of justice. This is God's world. Mm-hmm. He made it, he created it, he designed it, he governs it. So he is responsible. Um, yeah. and, and I think if we recognize that that's where he is and, and what his role is, then he's going to take that seriously. He's going to play out that responsibility. And that responsibility means in a world where there is sin, at some point in time, he's going to do something about that. And he he's going to bring justice. He's going to stop evil. He's going to destroy sin. And so that part of his position is consistent, I think, with him being loving and patient and gracious. He's a loving, gracious, patient God who's at war with evil. And those, in my mind, fit together really well. Thanks, Mike. I think that's one of the best explanations I've ever heard of that. I also want to just say to our audience that in the new year, in the Ridge University podcast, we have an episode uh, or a series coming up called Big Questions of Faith. And one of those episodes, we do actually get into war in the Old Testament, and how do we reconcile that to the New Testament? So be sure to look out for that coming out in in February. I really enjoyed the first series of those, so I look forward to the second one too. Those questions, they've really made me think, so I'll look forward to the next one dropping soon. Yeah, appreciate that. Well, I want to finish by quoting the last few lines of your message. You said this, if God never does another thing for you beyond sending Jesus to save you, do you have enough to be filled with joy forever? 
The key to being filled with joy, even when life is tough, is to recognize the source of lasting joy. It's to be thankful for for Jesus. So, Mike, I've been involved in the church since I was a boy, and one of the dangers I've kind of navigated over that time is being overly familiar with the gospel message. And this is what I mean when you hear, when you read, when you sing about Jesus' sacrifice over and over, over time— if you're not careful, it can kind of lose its meaning and impact. You know, it makes me think of King David uh, when he said to God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uh, so, Mike, how do we maintain or, if needed, recapture the joy of our salvation so that it can be a rock within challenging seasons? Yeah, you know, I'm with you. Well, I, I say I grew up in a, going to church in a Christian family. I'm really grateful for that. I've heard the gospel many, many, many times. And it's a great blessing. Um, but you mentioned that it can be a danger. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that that's uh, spot on. It can be when we recognize that because it can be something that just kind of is it becomes background uh, mm-hmm. that doesn't really soak in. You know, we have those kind of things happen in a lot of different um, aspects of our life. An example for me would be, okay, I had three years um, after college when I was bachelor in it. And during those three years, um, uh, I did all my own food prep. How do you impressive. think that was? <laughs> well, it sounds impressive. <laughs> I survived. <laughs> I survived on a lot of frozen pizzas. Right, right. You know, I just didn't have a real passion to be able to do much uh, that way in the kitchen. So I, I meet Sarah, and we get married, and she she loves cooking. And so I've learned a lot through her. But one of the things that was there is the first time that um, – she made something. It's like this is amazing. You know, mm. this is a lot better than what I'm used to, ha- to right. eating. And it was just like, wow, this is awesome. Now we've been married for many years. I expect it. Mm. You know, it's kind of yeah, like yeah. it's the same level, but yeah, I, yeah. I expect it. And it's like you just take it for granted. That high standard. Yeah. Same thing in my mind. Things that happen again and again and again and again, um, we can take them for granted. And I think Mm. that's very true, too, with with the gospel. And so I think that's one of the reasons why why God weaves different um, spiritual practices into our lives. You know, one is... Is, is things such as worship. You know, worship, I hear things different when it's a song. You know, a mm-hmm. song bring, may, brings us our emotions involved, and maybe I hear things differently that way. So I think that's one of the ways that, that God can bring it in. You know, we're, we're right now in moving toward the Christmas season. I don't think this is going to be a spoiler alert, but Jesus is born in Bethlehem. <laughs> right? We, <laughs> right, know, right? We know this. Right, right. And we know the story of Christmas, and we know what it's about, and we know what, what we're going to hear with it. But when we take a real focus on it, you know, it comes around every year. It does help us to see it in a way. I'm going to think about it differently Christmas, then I'm going to think about it in July. Mm. So I do think that those are kind of things that that refresh our thinking. There's a world, word that the Bible uses that I think is really helpful so that it becomes, it stays fresh and new in our life. And the word is dwell. Mm-hmm. It, it talks a lot about dwelling and meditating. It, technically, I, I'm not aware of places in the Bible where it says read the Bible. It talks about dwelling. And what it's mm. talking about is going there mentally and I think there's value in being able to say, hey, you know, and I'm, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be any minute of every day, but if something like Jesus is our Savior, very central to to our faith, starts to become just background, take a little time and just dwell on that. 
Yes. It, let it soak in. Let it sink in. Um, so that it does, like you said with this passage with David, and ask God to restore the joy uh, of my salvation. But go there, dwell it with it, spend some time with it. As I think about this question, it makes me think of a song, actually, that I, I really enjoyed when I was in my teenage years by one of my favorite bands. And the, the song was called What Would I Have Done? And basically the line is like, what would I have done if it wasn't for Jesus? So the song kind of reflects on that. And I think getting into that headspace sometimes is good. Often we're kind of just in the present or we're in the future. But I think looking back and and just thinking, how would my life have been different, you know, if it wasn't for Jesus, if I hadn't have met Jesus, if he hadn't have come and, and worked some of the change in my life, I think my life would have looked dramatically different. And that can restore a sense of gratitude and joy in my salvation and just realizing, wow, like, I'm so grateful. Thank you. And because if we don't have that, I think we lose a lot of fuel for following Jesus, actually. You underestimate how much of that comes from the joy, the the gratitude uh, of our salvation. Yeah, that's good. I like that perspective of thinking about, yeah, with the song, what what would it be if if he wasn't here? Right. About it that way. It's good. Well, Mike, thanks again for your time and for leading us through this book. Uh, we talked about this at the very beginning, and these books aren't like the number one pick on your list. I know that. True. And they're not always True. the easiest, and there's a lot of a lot of study uh, that goes into these and crafting these messages. We're very, very grateful. So thank you for that. And thank you for listening. Just want to draw your attention again to uh, a fun upcoming podcast episode. It's coming out this week, actually, on the Ridge University podcast. Our Christmas special it drops this Wednesday, December 6th. Uh, you don't want to miss this, honestly. We just had such a fun time with this. Uh, Gavin Jerome, Joni Pine, Mindy Shart. Uh, there's just all sorts going on there, just crazy carol renditions, and you, yeah, you got to hear it. So if you haven't subscribed to that podcast, why don't you just search Ridge University in your podcast provider and, and go and do that. So thanks again for being with us. We we'll hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at the Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.